You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty and joining me on this episode is Bryce from the Long Range Shooters of Utah. How are you, Bryce? Doing very well, sir. How are you? Ah, great, thank you. Thank you very much for taking some time to join us from uh, the other side of the world. Yeah, I wish I was sitting there on the beach in Australia instead of here in the uh, the cold and the snow, my friend. <laughs> well, we always seem to, uh, with the international guests, always talk a little bit about weather because it is uh, pretty cold where you're from. We, uh, I think your equivalent today here is about 91, 93 degrees. That sounds absolutely fantastic right now because it's about 30 degrees outside, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so zero Celsius yeah. for you guys. Yeah, no, um, we we don't really get that. So, well, not where I'm, I am anyway. I know some places here do, but not this time of year. So we are thoroughly enjoying the warm weather. And I reckon I'm going to finish up this podcast and jump outside and go for a swim just to, uh, just oh. to put that across to you. Well, what we say here in Utah is if, uh, if you don't like the weather, just wait 15 minutes and it'll change. So uh, two days ago, we had sunshine and it was getting up there in the 40, 50 degree range and we were really excited. And the next thing you know, uh, last night was an absolute blizzard and we had snow on the ground and freezing cold and it was awful. So yeah, this right. is a very touch and go time of year. I know you've had some pretty uh, crazy weather over there in some areas. Um, not that we're going to talk all about weather. This is a shooting podcast, I guess. Sure, but but that hasn't affected you the the sort of fairly serious weather, or is that a bit further no. east? No, we so we, we're pretty used to it here. I mean, we're used to having a lot of snow in the winter time, and I know that the state of Utah has uh, exhausted their their winter spend on snow plows and salt for the roads already, and we still got uh, the rest of this month to go before I really get out of the out of the woods here a little bit. So, but I grew up in Wyoming where it's about ten degrees colder and quite a bit worse. So. I talked to my father today, and he's like, I'm so sick of plowing snow, I can't even tell you. He's ready to go on a cruise to some uh, tropical island. So, Oh, well, let him let him know he can come come down here, and we'll take him out shooting. Hey, we're planning on I'm, I'm thinking of coming down there and visiting you guys next year. Well, we would love to see you, and uh, we'd certainly get you out for a, a shoot. And uh, we could do the Southern Hemisphere Milk Jug Challenge uh, with That's you down here. <laughs> That's the plan. That's what they want to do. A bunch of guys over there want me to bring a bunch of jugs with me and, and come out and do it. And this is the first shooting event my wife isn't not wanting, you know, actually wants to go to. So, <laughs> oh well, she'd be welcome as well. Absolutely, Bryce. So I guess we should we should get into a little bit about um, who the Long Range Shooters of Utah is and where it came from. A little bit of a history. Can you give us a rundown on that for those who are not familiar with it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Long Range Shooters of Utah is a YouTube channel that I started. Um, Man, it must have been six or eight years ago, wow. uh, just when I was kind of getting into long-range shooting. And then uh, at that time, I lived in California. We left Utah, moved to California for a couple of years, and then uh, just soon after that, moved back. But uh, I got my first kind of long-range rifle, if you will. Um, when I graduated from college, my dad said, hey, I'll buy you a hunting rifle. And I initially wanted to get a, a semi-automatic Browning BAR. That's what I grew up shooting and hunting with. And they said, no, you ought to get into that whole precision thing and get a bolt action. And so I started researching it, and uh, one thing led to the next. And before you know it, I had a night force, and I was, you know, full on the long-range game. And so when I moved back here to Utah, I wanted to meet some other people. And so I got on Facebook, had recently created a Facebook account, and thought, 
hey, why don't I just create a little group here and we can all kind of chat. And before you knew it, it, it blew up into today. We've got about 15,000 members and we've got 31,000 subscribers on YouTube. And we add about 1,200 or so every month uh, to the YouTube channel. So it's turned into its own little little side entity that's uh, living and breathing and keeping me very, very busy. Yeah, certainly with uh, with that sort of uh, amount of videos that you're doing and, and all those people involved, you uh, you must be pretty flat chat. Do you find time to, to actually go shooting? Yeah, that's actually a bit of a problem. I get asked all the time, <laughs> like, hey, why haven't you been out shooting or, you know, things like that or what you don't you don't get out to practice I'm like no I'm pretty much you know either filming or shooting competition and that's about all my wife will let me get away with but uh, I've switched gears a little bit this year I want to focus mo more on uh, the precision rifle series type shooting the centerfire shooting last year I focused really heavily on uh, a really popular competition here in Utah called the 22 long rifle marksman challenge which is basically all 22 long rifle and uh, it's kind of a PRS style, in a way, uh, match. About 100 guys or so compete in it every year. And it's a monthly thing, and you got to go the whole year. And they only let you drop two, two months or two scores of the whole year, and then it's an aggregate of the entire year. So I was really laser-focused on making sure I attended that match every month and, and shot really well and uh, ended up doing pretty decent. I took fourth out of uh, like 111 or something shooters total. Wow. With about 60 or so that consistently came every month. But but this year, I've set aside the 22 thing. I'm going to focus just on PRS and on the YouTube channel and, and creating some good content for you guys. Fantastic. And um, and tell us a little bit more about the uh, 22 Marksman, uh, Marksman Challenge, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a monthly match, and there's usually about 60 or so shooters that come out every month. Um, it's sheerly 22 long rifle. Um, there's no real limit on whether you shoot a semi-automatic or a bolt action. I started out with a CZ455 Precision Trainer, has the Manor stock on it, and uh, soon after upgraded to a Lilja Barrel, put a Lilja Barrel on it, and running the Lapua Center X primarily for ammo. And started out with a Vortex uh, 4 to 16 by 42 or 44, whatever they are. Uh, optic, found out very quickly that that wasn't the ideal optic for that match because you have to be able to focus down really close to like 25 yards, even closer sometimes. Yep. And also magnification-wise, it's very tough to see a little tiny 22 long rifle bullet hole at 100 yards with uh, only you know 16 power or 24 power. So uh, upgraded to a Cytron, the Cytron S3, 10 to 50 power, uh, which is pretty hilarious to see a huge, you know, 50x optic, a big old long optic like that with a 60 millimeter bell on a little 22 long rifle. But it's by far the, the Cytron S3s and S5s are the, the best scopes you can get for that particular match because you can zoom up to that 50 power or 40 power see those little holes at 100 yards, and uh, still is able to focus down to 25 yards. So, uh, so yeah, we shoot that every month. Um, usually you score between 400 and 700 points, depending on the match. Uh, usually be about half paper targets, and then half, um, you know, we have a moving target. It's got like a little shooting gallery at 100 yards. We have a, a rabbit and a wolf that we set out at 200 yards. We'll shoot it positional so standing sitting we'll do jumping jacks and then shoot prone and then jumping jacks and shoot standing things like that um, they'll shoot uh, the KYL or the know your limits target is by far the most infamous and uh, probably the most popular when you watch our YouTube videos of the, of the 22 marksman challenge it starts out with a two inch circle on one end 
and goes all the way down to a quarter inch, or is it three sixteenths? I can't remember, but it's literally slightly smaller than the bullet. And you've got eight of these lined up, and you have to hit every one. And if you if you stop, if you think you're going to miss, you have to stop because if you shoot and miss, you're going to lose all the points you've accumulated, and you can't start over. So it's a uh, it's kind of a sudden death type of a deal. And we'll shoot that anywhere from 25 out to 50 yards. Sometimes we'll shoot it just prone at the bag. Sometimes we'll shoot it sitting from a sling or standing. Or, or we throw all kinds of things in there. But it's a very unforgiving, very, very challenging match. And it's right in the middle of a canyon. And you're shooting perpendicular to the canyon. So in the morning, the wind's going one way. And in the afternoon, it's going the other way. We shoot rain or shine. I mean, it's, it is a lot of fun, but very, very, very challenging. That sounds absolutely fantastic. We, um, we're actually getting into a bit of a rimfire uh, precision rifle type uh, setup. Uh, middle of this year, we're going to do one. Uh, first one that we've done in, in our local area anyway. And uh, for this, for, I guess for the same thing, it's quite a challenge. Quite, you can use all the same skills, but it's obviously a lot cheaper in terms of ammunition to, to run to be able to hopefully do it on a regular, a very regular basis. It starts out a lot cheaper, but it very quickly becomes a, a gear race. Everybody started out with, you know, CZs and Savages, and by the end of it, just like I started out with that CZ, by the end of it, this last year, I upgraded to a Kid Super Grade, which is basically like a Ruger 1022 that's completely built custom from the ground up. And they're like, I think it was like $1,800 US dollars just for the <laughs> rifle. And then I went with a Citron S5 scope, which is another two grand or something. Luckily, Citron you know, gave me that one. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it starts out inexpensive. But when you really are thirsty to win, you're like, I'll spend the money. I'll buy an Anschutz. One guy's even running a Schmidt and Bender. And we've got a guy running a Collis, you know, a $3,500 scope on a 22. And it's kind of laughable, but at the same time, it's it's extremely competitive. And if you want to uh, try something that's very unique and a lot of fun, there's absolutely no recoil. You put a suppressor on these guys and they're just super, super quiet. But man, are they accurate. I mean, I'm shooting sub-MOA at 100 yards with that 22. Uh, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. You you'll notice I only said cheap in regards to ammo because I know how much how expensive twenties do's can get very quickly. It's, oh my uh, gosh! <laughs> I mean, four fifty five suited me really well. I mean, you can pick one of those up for like four hundred dollars US, and uh, it shot amazing. In fact, I didn't necessarily see a huge leap in accuracy when I went from the factory barrel to the to the Lilja barrel. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, they are so much fun. When I take people out that have never shot long range before, I always start them on that. Yeah. Let them, you know, dial the knobs, do everything, learn how to do everything because there's no recoil. They don't flinch. They learn how to, to squeeze the trigger properly, and uh, they have an absolute blast. Then we'll graduate them up to a two-two-three, then up to the six-fives, and so on. So, it's a lot of fun. Perfect. Well, let, let's move into the uh, center fire side of things. And, and one of the other challenges that you guys are involved in is the, if I get this right, the thousand yard milk jug, uh, milk jug challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the milk jug challenge is, is kind of uh, infamous in its own way. It's kind of a funny thing. So when I first started shooting before I even started the group, one of the things I really enjoyed doing is taking my 300 Win Mag and taking it out and shooting milk jugs full of, of dyed water, just water with you know food coloring in it at uh, you know 800 yards, 900 yards, and just watching them explode. It was a lot of fun. 
So I started thinking about it, and as I started to go to competitions and stuff, I thought, you know what? There's a lot of guys that are stuck between I only go out and shoot by myself, and I'm really only comfortable in this little zone. I'd really like to start competing, but that's really scary, and those guys really know what they're doing, and it's very intimidating. I wanted to try to create a way to bring everybody kind of together, provide an opportunity to bridge that gap. And then second of all, I love, love, love more than anything taking people out and letting them shoot long range for the first time, especially that thousand yard mark. And one thing that I always find within the shooting community, the hunting community, the fishing community, whatever, are basically fish stories. You know, I went out and shot this thing at this distance and it always gets exaggerated and people don't believe you and so on. So I said, you know what? I love videography. I love making videos. I love our YouTube channel. I'm going to videotape every single person that tries this out so that when they go back to work or go back to their Christmas party or whatever, they can go and say, hey, I shot a milk jug at 1,000 yards. Everybody at that party knows how big a milk jug is, at least here in the U.S., because they grab one every morning when they pour their cold cereal. So uh, it was just perfect. It's something that they all can relate to size-wise. They probably can't relate to the distance. That's why we have the video. And if they call you BS on your video you, or on your, your claim that you did it, you can show them the video on YouTube and they go, wow, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it just was like a perfect mix of, of all those things. And uh, people have had a lot of fun with it. We do basically you get 10 shots. Um, you get a max of 10 minutes. We usually try to do it a lot faster than that. But uh, you get 10 shots to shoot the milk jug. The first challenge is at 1,000 yards. And then we also do a 1,200 yard, a 1,500 yard and a one-mile milk jug challenge. I like it. I like it. And and so what is a, what's the size of a milk jug? Because we may, we may have different sizes here. Yeah, so a milk jug here in the U.S. is roughly 8 inches wide and about 10 inches tall. So okay. you'll have to convert that to uh, your metric system there. But <laughs> Yeah, no problems. About the size of, I don't, know, I don't know, in Europe and other places, they tend to have tall, skinny bottles where we have short, fat ones here. But it's maybe the size of a basketball. Okay. Roughly. Yep. Volleyball, basketball, something like that. Okay. Well, we, we certainly, for those, have you, I imagine you've had a number of people from Australia uh, in, you know, send you the videos of them doing it? Yeah, there's been a few. In fact, the, the funny thing is I've gotten requests to send empty milk jugs all over the world. So I've sent some to Ireland. Um, if you go online and watch, uh, look up a guy named Emrad Paul or MRAD Outdoors on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, he's over on in Ireland, right on the coast, and he shot his literally right off the cliffs of Ireland. It's the most beautiful thing <laughs> you've ever seen. Wow. And shot his first shot with a 308 at 1,000 yards. It was insane. Yeah, nice. And and uh, so the, 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 the deal is to film yourself shooting uh, a milk jug or something equivalent at 1,000 meters, and, or th sorry, 1,000 yards, and uh, and put it up. Yeah, so normally we, we at first we kind of required people to, to come to an actual event just so people were kind of making sure we followed the rules and try to raise the bar with the challenge. Yep. But since then, I've had a lot of people that have sent me you know requests and said, hey, I'm in Ireland, for instance. I'm not going to fly over to Utah to come take your challenge, but I'd like to try it. And uh, you know we'll let them submit a video, and if they submit it, we'll have a few guys from the group that have done the challenge look at it. If everybody gives it a thumbs up and, it, and they clearly – did the video in the same format that we do our videos. In other words, we zoom out to show the distance. It's very clear that they followed all the rules, the distance was correct and everything. Then uh, we'll go ahead and, and send them a decal. They just pay for it like anybody else would, and we'll ship them out a decal. But more than anything, we like people to come over here and, and come and shoot with us. 
In fact, in uh, the end of May, on the 26th, 27th of May, we have our annual International Milk Jug Challenge. We've got one of your uh, countrymen, uh, Michael Strike, who's coming over for the second time to come shoot the Milk Jug Challenge here in Utah. Excellent. And then we've got the two guys from Ireland that are also flying over here to, uh, to shoot the challenge with us and a bunch of guys from all over the U.S. Well, so if there's anyone listening here from Australia, uh, well, hopefully there are, and can be in the U.S. Uh, late May... Make sure you get in touch with the Long Range Shooters of Utah. Is that right? Yep, we'll make room for you. We're all full right now, but if you're coming from Australia, I will absolutely make room for you, and you'll have a lot of fun. We'll shoot all four challenges in two days, and we're doing it in an amazing world-class facility, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic! And uh, and hey, look, when you do come down, we might uh, we might have to set up a a day in South Australia for that to uh, to happen. Absolutely, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Check it out on YouTube. Just Google the, the Milk Jug Challenge. We've had a 308 hit first shot at 1,500 yards. We've had one hit at a mile yep. on the seventh shot with a factory rifle. Uh, we've had all kinds of first shot hits at 1,000. So even a six-year-old little boy <laughs> shot it actually at his first shot. <laughs> I did, I did see that. That was excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've told, a lot of- told my daughter she's got two years to uh, to practice up. Yep. <laughs> she's currently four, so uh, anyway, she uh, can hopefully uh, hopefully join the uh, the crowd. That's brilliant. Um, and I guess, um, are there any other challenges in the works, or we're we focusing on the milk jug and the 22 side of things at the moment? Yeah, so for me at least, um, I stay really busy with the milk jug challenge. In fact, I've never been able to do them often enough for people's liking. Um, I... <laughs> The problem is, is I videotape every single person. So if you hit the jug, I will make a YouTube video and post it for you, uh, which obviously takes a lot of time when you're trying to sync up uh, multiple cameras and get all the shots and edit everything. So I'm usually two months before I have all the videos posted and done for everybody that shoots the challenge. Otherwise, I'd do it more often. We have had three or four guys that have completed the Grand Slam or all four challenges, and they're now asking me to do a 2,000-yard challenge. Yep. So uh, that that may or may not happen in the near future. Um, this this time around with the International Nutjug Challenge, the same gentleman that does the 22 Long Rifle Marksman Challenge, he has his own extreme long range challenge that he does uh, about once a quarter, where you go out and you get I think it's 10 shots as well, but they have a target a mi- at a mile, and then they have a target at two miles. And you get basically 10 shots at each one. If you hit both targets... Then you get this cool little plaque, and it has you know the two bullets that you used on it, and everything, and it's it's pretty insane. If you go online and do the uh, one mile, two mile marksman challenge, it's absolutely insane to watch them fire and have a nine second flight time before it hits that second target. Yeah, brilliant! Yeah, I love it. Nice. So the day after the milk choke challenge, they're going to go out and do that out here in Utah as well. Yeah, yeah. I like it, mate. That's uh, that's fantastic. You're good to uh, keep pushing the boundaries and keep getting more and more people involved with it. Yep, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. So we uh, we bumped into each other at uh, shot, and how yep. was how was shot show for you? Shot show's awesome. It's always kind of the highlight of the year. Um, unfortunately, I never seem to give myself enough time to uh, to go and, and see everything. Yep. Um, I don't know how many days you were there, but we're only about four hours drive away from from Shot Show. So um, I plan on three days, and my wife usually says two, so I end up there for two <laughs> days. But uh, 
it is the seventh largest expo in the world, period. Of any expo, it's the seventh largest. Wow. So you literally need the whole week to cover, you know, the entire place, let alone if you're doing videos and things like that, like you and I were doing. So mm. it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. We were there for three days um, because we uh, missed our flight, uh, one of our flights in. So we were uh, only there for three days, unfortunately. Um and we didn't get into two of the halls, so and, and we felt very, very busy. <laughs> yep, yep. It takes it takes a lot, a lot of legwork to get around that place. Um, last year, we had a kid in our group that had a pedometer on his wrist or whatever, and I think he walked twenty nine miles in two days I, through the show. I believe that completely. Believe it, especially when you were unorganized like we were, and we're walking back and forth and back and forth to uh, to get to everyone. Yeah, it doesn't matter how organized you try to be or how well. I mean, their application, the little phone app they have to find and choose what booths you want to see is phenomenal, but it still is just so dang big, you just can't cover everything. No, absolutely. The um, I saw a couple of interviews that you did there, and, and I know you mentioned that it would be great to talk about them. Um, we're on the topics of, uh, well, probably the same questions we get asked a lot, barrel uh, life and cleaning and the breaking procedures and i know they were topics you tackled with some pretty uh, knowledgeable gentlemen yeah so i've heard the the question i mean on our facebook group we get the same questions over and over and over again and sometimes it drives some of the the more tenured guys crazy listening to these same questions but they're questions that the guys have and the questions that frankly i don't care how good of a shooter you are or how long you've been doing it at some point you know, you were you were asking the same questions, so you can't get too bent out of shape when when newer shooters ask those questions. You were there at one point, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so my thought was, is you know what? There's going to be some really phenomenal people at Shot Show. There always is, and so I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and try to nail down some of these people that are absolute, unequivocal, unarguable experts in the field, and ask them what they think and see if their opinions line up. And it's funny how some do and some absolutely don't. So even among the most knowledgeable, experienced peoples in the world, like barrel makers like John Krieger or George Gardner, the the owner of GA Precision, arguably the most prolific precision rifle company or tactical precision rifle company in the world, um, still have differing opinions on those topics like barrel cleaning, barrel life, um, caliber selection, you know, what action they love the most, things like that. So rather than just going around and asking people to tell me about their products, I thought I'm going to take and, and really, you know, help out the average dude by asking some of these questions and some of these expert guys and kind of end all the BS and all the, the, the people that know what think they know what they're talking about. Let's just go right to the horse's mouth and ask them. So that's exactly what we did. And, uh, how did you feel with the responses you got? Cause, um, Perhaps you, you might have added fuel to the fire. Yeah, it was really interesting. So if you go on YouTube, you can watch both interviews. There's one with John Krieger, who's uh, obviously the founder of Krieger Barrels. And uh, the interesting thing about him is he's been a bench rest shooter for like 50 years. I mean, yeah. He's getting up there. He's probably almost 80 years old. And, you know, he's not only a barrel maker, but he's he's a legitimate, you know, competitor in the bench rest world and it doesn't get more accurate than bench rest i mean that's the the pinnacle of it certainly and his process was really interesting i mean he had a lot of interesting theories about why throats of barrels erode and about how the the one that really stuck out to me i was 
talking to him about you know six millimeter versus six point five millimeter cartridges and how both of them are so popular and you know what does he think about barrel life and why that's you know why why barrels erode and one of the interesting things he said was the shoulder angle of yep. the case and his theory is is that the the a shoulder angle like a two forty three will cause the the heat and pressure to be directed more at the lands than say a six by four or six five forty seven that has a flatter shoulder mm-hmm. and then also the length of the neck on the case with the six five forty seven it's got a really long neck where a two forty three has a shorter neck and it kind of disrupts all that heat and pressure and doesn't direct it directly at the lands and chew it up so fast sure and I'd like wow that's that's really interesting but I've I've never thought about that before. So we talked about that. We also talked about cleaning. Um, I knew from previous videos I'd seen of him that he is not a fan of cleaning at all, hmm. uh, which is kind of my philosophy too. I don't, I just, I, a lot of guys really slave over the idea they have to break in their barrel and that they have to go and clean it like crazy. And, and uh, John kind of subscribes to the idea of just go shoot it. You know, a barrel is a consumable item. It's like ammo or anything else. It's going to wear out. You're going to replace it. It's not the end of the world. Uh, just plan on doing it. And, you know, his philosophy is is don't clean it until it starts going south accuracy-wise, and then you probably need to clean it. Yep. And then shoot some fouling rounds in it to foul it back up, and then shoot it until it goes south, and then clean it again. <laughs> and George Gardner had a very similar approach. Um, his was a little bit more uh, – uh, intensive when it came to cleaning um he's a a precision rifle series type shooter or a tactical shooter so his his approach was more you know i clean before i go to a match i go to the match if they allow me to sight in then i'll use that sight in period as a fouling period to foul the barrel and get it shooting back where it should be and then typically a match is you know 200 or 300 rounds or maybe some practice on top of the match gets him to about two three four hundred rounds and then he'll clean it foul it, and then shoot two or three or 400 and clean it and so on. And then the more magnum of a caliber, or the more overboard of a caliber you have, the more often you're going to want to uh, to clean it uh, for fear of getting a, a carbon ring inside of the, the chamber of the barrel. So uh, so both of those guys kind of shared a, a similar you know perspective as far as that goes, uh, that you don't want to clean too much, Especially John Krieger, he was very adamant. He's like, I just, I'm not a slave to cleaning. I'd rather see somebody not clean at all than clean too much or clean improperly and mess up the crown of the barrel or the throat of the the chamber, because yep. uh, that's going to cause way more damage than you're ever going to, you know, uh, help with uh, with a clean barrel. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting, and, and I will link those videos into the um to this podcast because they were certainly worthwhile uh, hearing two two people at the top of their game um, talk about their uh, their thoughts and theories. Yeah, it was especially interesting with John because he's a bench rest shooter, and bench rest guys typically they're they're one of the disciplines where they clean after every like every ten shots they clean their barrel. Oh, I know. Uh, uh, always yeah, shoot clean. So for him to say. Yeah, I don't really believe in cleaning. It's just kind of <laughs> kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, very cool video, very interesting stuff. I was just soaking it all up while we were sitting there. My poor cameraman didn't have a tripod, and his hands were just shaking. Oh, no. so we <laughs> talked for like 45 minutes, but it was cool. Yeah, brilliant. And um, and what else did you see at shot that you really enjoyed, p- perhaps product-wise? You know, the, that's always the hot question every yeah, year is – 
you know, what, what's the coolest thing you've seen? What's the coolest thing you've seen? And I can remember back in years past, um, one year it was the, uh, there was a Trigicon ACOG, a mini, a little miniature, like three inch long Trigicon ACOG. And I thought that was so cool. Nothing to do with long range, but it was just cool. Yeah. Uh, and then the year after was the uh, Swarovski STR80 um, spotting scope that has the reticle that you can turn on and off. So you could pick an MOA or a mill reticle. Yep. And literally it's this beautiful, crystal clear, amazing spotting scope. And then you just turn a knob and you've got a reticle. And you can do all your, your wind calls and, and adjustments and things with it. So that was last year. This year, I'm trying to think if there was anything that really – really jumped out at me. Um, I got a screaming deal on a mousing field action the last day. <laughs> and that was cool. Um, uh, I'm going to have to think about that for a minute. I'm not, I yeah, don't no, recall. I, you know, it's funny because I've spoken to a few people and, and they're in a similar boat. They didn't necessarily say anything, any one particular item was uh, was top of the list for them. There, there was some cool stuff there, but nothing stood out as a single item. Yeah, yeah, same thing. I mean, there was, there was the, uh, there was that new rifle that was featured in the Aimpoint, uh, Aimpoint booth that kind of had the blazer style, you know, direct pull backward forth. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but I, I mean, it, it was kind of a cool idea, but it didn't, it didn't. I didn't really wasn't that impressed with the quality of it per se. Yeah. Um, the Savage AR10 platform and six five Creedmoor. I thought that would be really sweet and. And I picked it up, and maybe it's just me being a an AR-15 snob because I've built some really amazing <laughs> ones in the past. But um, I picked it up, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you know, it's a factory build AR." You know, I just I don't know. I didn't shoot it, so that's really what matters. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Night Force always has awesome stuff. The new seven to thirty-five scope is awesome. Their little tripod they came out with is pretty sweet as well. Yep. Um, Oh, what else? That's a tough one, man. I was so excited about <laughs> sitting and talking to John Krieger and uh, and Turner yeah, uh, that I was pretty stoked. But uh, Manners had some really cool their their new stocks. They always have awesome awesome stocks, and they have the new one where they've integrated the Masterpiece Arms um, uh, Barricade Buster. It's like a little push button slider on the underside of the forearm of the rifle yep. where you can just pop it in there and you've got a barricade stop right in a manner's right in a manner's stock yeah i thought uh, i thought that was really, brilliant yeah that was really interesting and and tom manners is such a cool guy i mean he's just wandering around there chatting with you and you're like wait a minute your last name's manners this is awesome <laughs> you're a manners <laughs> so that was that was cool. He was super nice. Here's my cell phone. Call me. I'll, I'll take care of you. I mean, just it's cool to see how awesome some of the people in the industry are and how close they are to the customer and to the shooter, and they're all shooters themselves. So I, th I think that's – sorry, sorry, Bryce, but I think you, you really uh, you know, got it there because we, we found the same thing, and we were you know, relatively unknown guys from Australia, and everyone we spoke to took amazing care of us um, and was really willing to give us time and, and access to sort of whatever we, we wanted to talk about, which was amazing. I, you know, I I'd be kind of curious to hear if uh, if you walked up and spoke to everybody in a French accent, if they would have treated you just as nicely. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we'll try that next year, although my, <laughs> me, me and accents aren't so good, but uh, perhaps special Greg's not too bad at the, uh, the accents. 
Something about the Aussie accent, man, just melts people's heart, and they just want to hang out with you. You know, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and and Tom actually, uh, Tom Manners, who I, I, I dealt with before, um, and uh, so I did did have a relationship with him. But um, what I found was funny was Tom was going, "Oh, look, I'm not I'm not great on camera." Did you interview Tom on camera? I didn't. I meant we were going to go back and do an interview, and we were kind of standing there, and Mike, who was kind of acting as my cameraman, we didn't bring the tripod. We didn't want to pack it around. Yeah. Um, he, I kept looking at him like, hey, I really want to do a, a, a video with, with Tom here, and he was looking at me like, don't you dare ask me to hold that <laughs> camera again. Well, the, the, they were supposed to be like 10-minute interviews, and they went on for an hour, and he literally was shaking and had to put his hands on the table because <laughs> he'd hold the camera up for so long. Yeah. So no, we didn't interview Tom. No, Tom was uh, was funny. He he would say, "Oh, I'm, I'm not very good on camera. I, you know, I just hopefully I can get, get give you what you need and all that sort of gear." I said, "Tom, that's fine. Don't worry. We'll uh, we'll take care of it. I'll prompt you with some questions and bits and pieces." You know what? I, I think I said, uh, "You know, hi guys. This is, I'm here with Tom from Manners." And from there, I don't think I spoke the rest of the uh, the, <laughs> the rest of the video. He just went and he just he introduced every product and talked about it in depth. And he just it made he's he, he's passionate about what he does. And yep. uh, yeah, we we saw him then at the PRS finale. He was a stage manager uh, or RO for one of the stages, and he um yeah he, he runs a pretty mean stage as well. He does does really well. He's a shooter. He he's into the whole long extreme long range thing as well, and. He's just a really cool guy, and that, that, like you said, it's a lot of the guys in the industry are like that. You get a few turkeys here and there, but for the most part, you get a lot of good, solid people that just love to talk about it, lo- you know, live and breathe it, and mm. they're usually really good, solid folks. Yeah, absolutely. So it was uh, it, it was a, a really good trip, and we got to meet lots of people, including yourselves. And uh, oh, we were meant to go out to dinner with you. I don't know if you got my messages. We were we just couldn't get there, and uh, my phone didn't seem to want to always send messages consistently either. But anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah, uh, it happens. Next year, man, we had about thirty or forty people show up. A couple yeah. of Aussies uh, from all over down there. One thing that the guys in the U.S. don't understand is how flipping flipping huge your country is. The continent's <laughs> massive just as big as the u.s we think it's some island or something you can drive across in a day well it is an so, island but uh yeah it's about huge, the huge. challenge they were like oh we're up here in the on the top and he's down there in the bottom and he's over there in the east and i'm like well how far away are you like oh we're like 16 hours and i was like oh jeez <laughs> yeah we had the same because i was traveling with two guys from uh, from sydney and and they're about it you know people go oh, where are you guys where y'all from and we'd tell them and uh and you know, we'd have to explain that we're from two different areas and there's about a 16-hour drive, but there's only really sort of one other major city in between, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, which was a concept that seemed very hard for most people to understand. Yeah, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I mean, the, the one kid, Stephen Walsh, he lives clear up in the, the northeastern part of the country there, and him and his, his girlfriend work at a mine up there, I guess. Yep. But they're like, yeah, we drove you know, 16 hours down to here, and then we took a plane for four hours down to Melbourne or something, and then we flew to L.A., and then we drove from L.A., to, and I was like, I cannot wrap my head around, like, just flying to Australia is probably going to happen once in my life, if that, and that's it. Like, I just don't travel that long. That's just too long to be in a cockpit or a car forget about it. <laughs> oh, well, when you're uh, when you are here, you might have to, you might have to fly around a little bit more rather than drive. Might be a little yeah. easier. Well, even that, they were like, "Oh yeah, it's just four hours flight here, four hours there." I'm like, "Jeez, <laughs> yeah. I want to see the whole place. I'm not gonna be able to do it." 
you uh, you're in, you've, you've got your work cut out for you if you want to try and get everywhere over here. Well, you guys are like the Europeans, man. You guys get like three weeks or three months off work every year. We get like two weeks, and so we have to use it carefully. Oh wow, yeah, okay, yeah. We we normally, I guess, most people get about a month uh, a month off here, and we all seem to take it in January, which is probably why we often all end up at shot. Yeah, that's fine with me. We like having you guys over here. We ought to come and shoot some milk jugs next time you're out here. There's plenty of places around Vegas to do that. Yeah, so we uh, so we found out. We just ran out. We didn't have any milk jugs. But next time, next time, no doubt. And yeah. so, Bryce, I'm interested to um, – where did your love for shooting come from yourself? So I grew up in Wyoming, which is the least populated state in the U.S. You'd think it was Alaska, but it's not. Um, so Wyoming is uh, very wide and open. And uh, my dad was the president of the Wyoming Wildlife Federation. So he's a big time hunter and conservationist and all that. So I grew up doing a lot of hunting and shooting. Um, didn't really do any competing whatsoever um, in shooting or anything like that until you know here just the last four or five years um, after long-range shooters of Utah kind of got up and running. Um, but I always loved shooting growing up, um, you know, shot 22s and shot a 7mm rem mag when I was, uh, uh, you know, hunting as a kid, shooting elk and deer and, and things like that, a 270 as well, 300 wind mag. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I started with that. And like I said before, I when I went to college, when I graduated, my dad said, hey, I want to buy you a rifle as a, as a graduation present. And I wanted to just get the same kind of rifle I grew up with. And uh, he's like, no, you ought to try doing the precision thing, you know, get a bolt action. And, and you know, he'd watch some of the videos from, I don't know if you've heard of Best of the West, but they're a group out of Wyoming that does long-range hunting uh, videos for TV. And uh, so we, we watched some of their videos, and that got me hooked. And I started researching, and, and it was all over. Like, <laughs> since then, that, that little comment from him, you ought to try this, has cost me – tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> but it's it's i've absolutely loved it it's been a lot of fun yeah brilliant and um and are you shooting prs competitions at all yeah so i i shot some last year i really focused heavily on the 22 marksman thing i really want to make that my deal and i still shot some prs here and there but uh and just local PRS matches, not the national matches. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I'd like to shoot a lot more, but um, in the process of trying to build a new rifle uh, specifically for that purpose, I'm hoping to have it done here, you know, by May or so, and at least be able to enjoy shooting it through the, the summer season. Um, so that's kind of the goal for this year, and I've, I've done a fair amount in the past. If you watch our YouTube channel, we've got a lot of videos of our local matches here in Utah. Yeah, um, but I'd like to do a lot more of that this year. So, so tell us about this rifle you're building. So I'm really torn, man. Um, the six millimeter has just, there's been some amazing bullets come out in the last little while. And of course, before it was an easy decision. I, I previously, my previous rifle or my current rifle that I, I compete with um, is built off of a Tika action with a KRG chassis and uh, a 6547 is what it's chambered in. And it was an easy pick because of the Lapua brass and sure. it's a six, five It's the most efficient cartridge out there. I mean, you get just as much speed out of that as you do a Creedmoor, but with less powder and a smaller case and better brass. And, and then Lapua had to come out with a six, five Creedmoor brass. So now <laughs> none of us know what the hell we're doing. So now I'm contemplating, well, do I ditch the six, five And do I go to uh, six Creedmoor with the new Lapua brass or do I just stick it out 
and and stay with the 6547. So I'm in a major conundrum right now. I spent half an hour on the phone today uh, with two different guys asking them, picking their brain on what they they would do. So the same questions people call me and ask me, I'm now <laughs> asking other people because I can't make the decision. So I don't know. Maybe you need to help me out with that one. The um, interesting one you said with the ticker action, which uh, we didn't hear a lot about when we were in the US, but it's it's – I believe, from multiple years running, uh, is the most popular rifle in Australia, or most sold. Yeah, I think that I've heard that, that they're a lot more popular outside the U.S. And I mean, the Remington 700 has been, you know, the go-to for years and years and years and years here. And then, uh, at least in in our group, and our little uh, network, um, several years ago, there were some local shooters that are very, very good, really humble guys, um, one of which is one of the best PRS guys in the country. Um, he started shooting a Tika, and that kind of got everybody turning their head like, what? You're yeah. not shooting a custom action? You're shooting a Tika? And uh, he was incredible. And uh, so everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon. And then a couple of the local uh, the rifle builders here, precision rifle builders, um, started offering Tika builds with, uh, you know, nice but economical KRG chassis where you could get a, a, a custom build off a of Tika Action for less than $2,000 US. And it was a no-brainer. Why spend five grand when you can spend two and have a gun that shoots just as well and has a really short throw, smooth, you know, action like that? Mm-hmm. So uh, they become exceptionally popular. Um but they're not—they're not as robust as like a surgeon or a you know a defiance or a mousing field or a, you know whatever. Um, but they're for the money. They're absolutely fantastic. So um, I picked up that mousing field at uh, Shot Show. Ted at American Rifle Company was running an amazing deal at Shot Show. Um, I think he'd had an entire bottle of scotch before he came out with the idea. But still, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, so I'll probably be building a new one off of that, but like I said, I'm still torn between the, you know, those six millimeters. The the new Sierra Match King 110s have an amazing ballistic coefficient, mm. and then David Tubb has those uh, DTAC 115 grain uh, bullets with the rebated tail on them, and they're like a .62 uh, BC on those things. I mean, it's it's as good as the 140 Burger hybrids, yeah, and you can them at 3100 feet per second versus 2800 with the 6.5 so it's like oh geez i know i'm gonna be burning barrels but i think you, you just can't. you just made your decision didn't you oh my gosh i mean i was pulling up my app today and i was like all right my my 6.547 at the 140 burgers goes transonic about 1500 yards or so so you're pushing it to get to a mile and I punched in 1,800 yards on the uh, six millimeter with those DTACs, mm. and the the transonic little red dot didn't pop up on my on my dope chart. So I went and punched in 2,000 yards. It still didn't pop up. <laughs> I punched in 2,200 yards. The thing doesn't go transonic until past 2,000 yards. Wow. So I'm oh my gosh, I really don't want to buy any dyes and brass and everything. <laughs> Got thousands of rounds of. 140 hybrids, but man, these numbers are amazing. So you very well could see me shooting a Creedmoor here pretty soon with the six millimeter bullets. We'll it, see. It sounds like that's the way you uh, you're going. Oh. <laughs> I've just uh, I've just, just like sleep at night trying to make that decision, but <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with the J Allen chassis. I talked to Lisa J Allen. If you've 
familiar with those. Yep. Um, they're absolutely gorgeous. A um, little pricey, but uh, you can't beat them for the fit and finish adjustability. They have an adjustable magwell, which is hmm. crazy, but it's it's awesome. Um, so, so yeah, we'll probably see that that uh, rifle here pretty soon. Yeah, that looks that looks good. I've actually just changed my 260 over in the process at the moment of changing over to those new 140 uh, Nosler RDFs. Mm-hmm. If, you've, yep. if you've seen them, but yeah, again, BC on those is is quite impressive and and seems to be stacking up to the numbers they're claiming, uh, which yeah. is uh, uh, which is a good thing. I've told uh, several people that long range is the new AR-15. It's the new craze, and uh, and companies are realizing that. That's why you're seeing companies like Savage and Ruger come out with six five Creedmoors and six Creedmoors and. They're they're listening and they're they're this is an exploding industry so it's exciting to see everybody get excited and, and start innovating and, and making better stuff so it's it's a cool time to be in the sport yeah certainly and and it's great to see those guys um, on board but it's also so good to see the innovation that comes from the smaller companies and the sort of the one man shows and and you know slightly larger sort of groups that that support and have supported this uh, style of shooting for a long time as well. Yeah, and really the best companies out there are the little guys. I mean, even Jay Allen, I mean, they, they didn't even have a booth at SHOT Show. I mean, yeah. that's how small they are. I mean, they do they still do batches of like 12 chassis at a time. And uh, but they're they're amazing. You know, that's that's just the way it is, man. The, the good stuff typically comes from the, the small shops. In fact, my favorite rifle builder in the country is a guy named Moon Roberts. He used to be one of the head uh, rifle builders at GA Precision. He's out of Missouri. He's literally a one-man band. He... He does everything start to finish himself, and he's absolutely incredible. If you watch my video on YouTube of my uh, 300 Win Mag that we necked down to 7mm, uh, no kidding, shot a one-hole group with that sucker, uh, four shots, one hole. Uh, it, he just makes incredible rifles. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's always nice when you, you find someone you can uh, sort of really trust and, and give them the guns, and, and you know it's coming back sweet. Yeah, you know that some other you know dude making five dollars an hour isn't the one chambering your gun. You actually got the the guy that's whose name's on the building. He's the dude in there chambering your rifle and doing it right, and uh, and the results speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bryce, what have you? I know you reviewed a lot of products. What in within the products that you reviewed have you have you said, man, I, I have to have this. Leave it with me. Leave it with me. I'm buying it. Yeah, so uh, one of the products that I've probably gotten more excited about than any other is a, a product that was locally developed, and that's the the Sidewinder, which is a super stupid simple product. Yeah, uh, it's literally a little piece of Velcro that you stick to the side of your rifle, and it's got a little flexible like a, a, a wire wrapped in rubber, so a little rubber wire, and then it's got a little pad with plastic on it where you can slide a business card. And literally all you do is write your dope on the business card, slide it in the sleeve, stick the little sidewinder to the side of your gun, and you can move it around in whatever direction, shape, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And you've got your dope card right there in front of your face. Yeah. And forever, I mean, I spent probably 60 bucks on one of those sleeve deals. I think it was from Rifles Only or Tab Gear or somebody. And even made myself a little whiteboard that I could Velcro to it to write my dope on. So I'm out there shooting and every time I need to look at my dope card, I've got to completely change my position and look at my forearm where this little sidewinder is just, it's so stupid simple. I bet it costs the guy like three, four, five, ten bucks to make. I don't know. 
Um, but it's so simple and so innovative that I just smacked myself in the head and said, why did I not think of that? And so (laughs) I'm a dealer from, I probably sell more of those things than anybody else does. And, uh, I mean, he sells them for 30 bucks. He's obviously making a good margin on them, but I love it too, because he's a college kid and he is, he's the kid that I was talking about with the Tikas. He's literally, I think he took eighth in the PRS finale last year and he drives a little crappy Toyota Corolla and he just, just, he's just a humble practices his butt off shoots like crazy. And he is phenomenal. Doesn't talk any smack. You'll never see a kid run a bolt on a bolt action rifle faster than him. He's nice. absolutely insane. His name's Marcus Blanchard and, uh, check him out. I mean, you watch our Instagram videos. I've got videos of him running his bolt. It's just insane. So yeah, the Sidewinder is one I'm really excited about. Um, the Mousing Field, when it first came out, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, then Bighorn came out with their TL3 action, which has a lot of the same features. It was it was really sweet as well. We, um, we should just touch on uh, with with uh, Marcus. Um, have you you've read his book? I'm guessing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And the funny thing is, is I've been doing this stuff for quite a while. And I read the, the, the book and I was like, same thing. I'm smacking my forehead going, why <laughs> the heck haven't I been putting my right knee up instead of my left knee up? And then I go and go to competitions now and I naturally go to, to kneel down behind a barricade. And I always put I, my, my natural, if you told me to kneel down, I would always put my right knee on the ground, my left knee up. And when, with being right-handed, his book teaches you to do the opposite. You need to have your left knee down and your right knee up because then you can put your right elbow, your support elbow, under your gun on your knee. And yep. it just makes sense. But I never thought about that before, you know? Yeah, so, it's it's good stuff. It's called, for those listening, it's called Practical Shooter's Guide. And uh, you can get it from Amazon. They will ship it out here. Um, and speaking of those sidewinders, uh, convenient, thanks, Bryce. The, uh, they're actually Projectile Warehouse, one of our sponsors, will have them in stock in the next week or two. Beautiful. So If they uh, don't, I've got them in stock, and I'm more than happy to ship them over to Australia. So Too easy, man. Yeah, they're phenomenal. So, uh um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of rifles only slings. Um, they've got the bungee. Uh, you can watch our YouTube video where I demonstrate the rifles only precision rifle sling and the multi-use carbine sling. Mm-hmm. I really love their multi-use carbine sling. It's got a big long bungee in it and, uh, it's just, it works amazing for getting on a barricade and you can literally stand up and have be totally hands-free and packing around a 20, 20 pound rifle and grab it, slip into position without making any adjustments and help stabilize your shots. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So nice. that's, what I like, um, the American rifle company, uh, rings, their, their rings with a single bolt are really phenomenal as well. How do they Check go? Those. How do they go locking up? We did an interview interview with Ted at, at the show as well. And, and they were, I've seen them before, but yeah, it was kind of nice to play with them, but you've actually used them on a gun. Yeah, so basically, that's just a different design. So the typical scope ring, you know, you have the lower piece that mounts to your rail, and then you have the upper piece that you set on top, and then you bolt it down. Uh, the problem is, is inevitably, all of us have mounted an optic and put, you know, a bubble level on it. And as you start tightening down the different nuts, even if you go back and forth or a star pattern or whatever, it tends to, to turn the scope one way or the other, or kind yeah. of tweak it. And it's a real pain. you got to go back and forth and back and forth. With these, they literally are like a clamshell. So the lower half has a hinge on each side. 
And then the, the top, basically the, the two hinges flop the top shut and you have one bolt through the top of the ring. And when you tighten it, it squeezes it in and has equal pressure on each side. So it, the idea is, is that it doesn't turn the scope as you're tightening it in and creates a more uniform pressure. I'm, I'm not an engineer, so I'll let him, I'll trust Ted that he knows what he's talking about. Yep. But they're really sexy rings and they're very well made and they're awesome. So I'm pretty excited about those as well. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. And so that's what you're going to be running on your your new one, I guess. Well, which is that's, a field. That's the idea. We'll see, but uh, that's the idea. So, uh, and I, I yeah. saw your saw your um, your setup video of the um, is it the Silencer Co. Uh, Radius you did the other day? Yep, I did. Yeah, so I did a full review on those. Silencer Co. is a, a local company here in Utah. Um, so it's pretty neat. You need to come out here to Utah, man. There's a lot of cool stuff to see for their factory. It seems that way. I certainly, it's going to be on the list for next year, no doubt. It's a lot of fun, not too far from Vegas. So, uh, yeah, so the radius is pretty sweet. Um, it, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say that it replaces my Terrapin or my Sig Kilo or my typical rangefinder I carry around. But for certain applications, it's either an absolute must-have or definitely a huge benefit. Uh, one of those being, if uh, one of the things that I would really love to get into and was kind of my goal to uh, walk away from Shot Show with some kind of a agreement set up with somebody to to test out some stuff would be thermal. I would love to get a thermal optic or a clip-on thermal optic, uh, which are insanely expensive. Which is why I wanted to. <laughs> try to test them for somebody or get something for free or discount or something. Um, but w- when you do thermal or night vision, you know, I, I can imagine a lot of guys go and buy a night vision scope and then they go out there, they mount it, they get all excited. They go out to shoot a coyote and they go, wait a minute, how far away is the coyote? <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah. And they're like, well, I use my regular range finder. I won't be able to see anything. And you're not going to go buy a night vision rangefinder for two grand or five grand. So the radius is the answer, you know, because it's weapons mounted and it's sighted in with your optic. You can get on your rifle with thermal or with night vision and boom, you got it. Well, many, or, you know, many of our sorry. hunting. Many of our listeners here know that uh, Greg on the uh, on the podcast he has a uh, he has a thermal scope, and he this is the exact same conversation we had the other day with him about about something like that um, that radius on there would be the the ultimate setup. Absolutely, it. I don't know what you would do without it. I mean, you basically would have to guess or you'd have to range with the reticle, but the radius makes it really slick. And the other cool thing is because it's at night. The radius works really, really well. I mean, there's no better scenario for a rangefinder than to have no other, uh, you know, light pollution in the air hmm. uh, than at night. So I've got my radius. I ranged out uh, at dusk or dawn, dusk, dawn, whatever, dusk, um, <laughs> out to like 24 or 2,500 yards with mine. Um, but during the day, you know, when it's bright, you know, your thousand yards is probably, I would say, the max. Yep. But it's still a pretty awesome system. One thing I don't love about it, and I'd like to see them improve, is the mount on it. I feel like it's a little on the flimsier side, and I'm afraid if I bump it or tweak it, or if I'm on a rifle that has a lot of recoil, that it might shift. And, and setting it up is a little bit tricky, and I would be worried that it's going to be off and wouldn't give me an accurate reading. 
but uh, it's a cool, cool system, especially for, like I said, like coyote hunting, rabbit hunting, or nighttime anything. It's it's really, really slick and cool. And I've, I've heard, because a lot of the local shooters here um, actually work in the R&D department at Silencer Co., that they're working on a second version, a 2.0, that should be uh, should be even better. Yeah, excellent. What what kilo do you have, Bryce? Six kilo. So I don't have one personally. I have a terrapin, a Vectronics terrapin, mm-hmm. but I did buy a kilo for my father. Um, he got one at Christmas time. Right. And they're a, they're a really solid little unit. I mean, when I first saw them, I thought, eh. The thing about rangefinders is, if you want one that's going to work at a thousand yards. If it says 1,000 in the name of the, the rangefinder, don't buy it because yeah. it's not going to work out to 1,000 <laughs> yards. Oh, you yeah. need to have it rated for like twice as far as what you want to use it hmm. because under the best conditions is how far it probably says it will work, but under normal conditions, it won't work half that far. So uh, the Kilo, though, really surprised me at how fast it works and how well it works. Although I have heard some people not be terribly thrilled with it, have problems with ranging out to a thousand with them. I've also heard people be able to range out to 22, 2400 yards with them. So um, I've been impressed with them, um, but I haven't personally, you know, gone out and beat one up and, and tested it a bunch myself. But but uh, overall, the the reviews are very positive. Yeah, in, in two minds about that at the moment, and uh, it's nice to uh, if you've. Exp- yeah, obviously with the terrapin, you've got sort of one of the one of the better ones out there. If you're, uh, you know, if you think the kilo is probably not not too bad, and obviously the not quite. Is, in the same the terrapin is awesome, mm. but it is scary. We have a, a guy here in our group that bought one, and you have to buy them used because they don't sell them anymore. Yeah, and his had problems, and I don't think they were even that bad, but it just wasn't working very well. So he sent it back to Switzerland, and they basically held it hostage. They refused to send it back to him because he didn't have proof of an original purchase. Oh, wow. And so he literally had to get an attorney and send them a letter and the whole bit, and they eventually sent him, uh, I think, $2,000 for it. They sent him a, a check, but they refused to send it back to him. So I'm terrified that I'm going to drop it or it's going to stop working one day, and it's going to be bye-bye. I mean, it took him literally a year before they sent him his money. Wow. And that's after he waited for like six or eight months. So. Unless you're going to buy one brand new, the new PLRF or whatever that are like 3500 bucks, oh, the Terrapin's awesome, but it scares the crap out of me that that thing's going to break one day. Yeah, so, right. Didn't, haven't heard stories like that. That's, uh, that's pretty unique. Wow. Maybe in Australia they'll treat you better, but if you've got your little proof of purchase that you actually were the original buyer, then I think you're okay. But if you bought it used like I did, it's kind of scary. Mm. But it is very cool. It's, it's beefy. Sucks that it's only a four magnification. Um, one of my favorite rangefinders ever had was the Bushnell Arc One Mile binoculars. Yep, they worked really well out to about eighteen hundred or nineteen hundred yards, and they were twelve power or ten power. I can't remember binoculars, so they were they were just awesome dual purpose. Whereas the Terrapins four power, it's just not very much magnification when you're trying to yeah. you know, hit a four inch plate at two thousand yards understand that i've got the 12 power in the bushnells and uh, and andrew here who uh who's also on the podcast has one of the plf uh plfr pl anyway uh rfs plrfs uh number 10s and he has put a doubler on it uh yeah doubler and so that's uh, yep. they're normally six power and that's taken it up to 12 power so that that yep. works very well the ugly thing you got a screw on the front of it <laughs> 
Yeah, no, he's made up a little bracket, so it's sitting on the back of it. And uh, yeah, very unique setup, but uh, it works an absolute treat. Yep. That's what our, I have a buddy that's a SEAL uh, sniper that I grew up with. I had no idea. Buddy of mine says, hey, let's let's go shooting with uh, with uh, Cody over here. And I was like, what's his deal? And he, what's, he shoots? I mean, what's what's his claim to fame? <laughs> and then I show up and he's a friggin' SEAL sniper. <laughs> And he had a, a vector, I think it was a, a PLRF 10 or whatever, and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. It's, uh, as long as you went out shooting, that's the main thing. He was very incredible. Let me just say I wouldn't want to mess with him or meet him in a dark alley. <laughs> he did some pretty incredible stuff with both handguns, rifles, and all the above. So Yeah, right. These guys are the real deal. Fantastic. Fantastic, Bryce. Now, is there anything else you uh, you want to put out there for uh, our Australian listeners? Although we do have quite a few listeners in the US as well. Well, we've got uh, we've got quite the following down there in Australia. I I think on my YouTube channel, that's the number two uh, uh, you know, country as far as uh, viewers go. So uh, I just want to say I appreciate you guys watching the videos. Uh, if you haven't tuned into us before, I highly recommend you, you jump on uh, YouTube and look up Long Range Shooters of Utah. Uh, we're not just in Utah, we're worldwide. In fact, I got a uh, awesomest picture of all time was one of our big long-range shooters of Utah vinyl decals that a guy had put on the back of his Jeep Wrangler and took a picture, and it was really unique because it was in front of the Colosseum in Rome. I saw He's that. He's driving a big black Jeep Wrangler in front of there with my decal on the back, and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. So uh, <laughs> we definitely... Uh, you know, support and, and ship that stuff all over the world. If you guys are interested in, in shooting a real milk jug, I'm happy to mail one out to you. And uh, definitely tune into our YouTube channel, Long Range Shooters of Utah. And then, of course, uh, really trying to grow our, our followers on uh, Instagram. It's just at Long Range Shooters of Utah. And then, if you want to uh, meet a lot of great people and ask great questions and get great answers, jump on our Facebook group, Long Range Shooters of Utah, as well. Brilliant, Bryce. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out um, for us uh, to have a chat. And uh, we look forward to your trip down here next year. And uh, we will definitely be uh, taking up on that uh, milk jug challenge. We'll be uh, we'll get a, a bunch of guys out down at our range uh, and uh, see if we can make a bunch of videos for you to edit and spend the next six months of your life editing. That's exactly the, the idea. I look forward to coming down there. I understand it is hotter than Hades down there, so <laughs> depends. Pick a good month. It's, we'll melt. Yeah, it depends down. what time you uh, what time you come. But uh, I tell you what, you learn to read, read Mirage pretty quickly. Yeah, I bet you do. I bet <laughs> you do. It's nice in here in the winter when it's cold. You don't get any Mirage. It's crystal clear. It's amazing. I can only dream of what that's like. <laughs> Uh, terrific Bryce thank you very much again mate and uh, and good luck with everything uh, no doubt we will uh, continue to watch your videos and uh, catch up with you next year absolutely cheers brother thank you cheers thanks for listening to the precision shooting podcast to continue the discussion check out our Facebook page and for more information head to our website www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au this episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.